When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are going through my first two, uh, big board for 2023. We're going to go through the top 14 players, the lottery players, and uh, give you my first impressions. Let's go! Jordan, open! Chicago with the lead! Bryant, Not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. Just to make that one clear, um, I know my Twitter handle used to be uh, at Ball Boys NBA. It is now at Ball Boys Fantasy for anyone who was trying to find my old Twitter account. Uh, well, I guess my Twitter account, it is just simply that uh, handle now. So um, still me over there. So if you want to check out all the stuff I do over on Twitter, um, go over at Ball Boys Fantasy and find me there. But today we are starting, um, we're doing a little bit of a mix. Uh, if you haven't checked out already, my most recent video slash podcast is the Top 25 Dynasty Rankings. We are going to be continuing with that in the future. Uh, there will be some more installments of the next 25 all the way through. I'm definitely going to be doing that, at least the top 100, potentially more, depending on, um, you know, the, the reception I get from some of those videos and if you guys like it or not. So if you are enjoying those types of content, head over to those videos and make sure you give them a thumbs up. Let me know down in the comments if that's something you want to see more of or if that's something that maybe you could do without and <laughs> we can do something different. So I uh, would appreciate everyone's feedback on those ones there. But before the... Um, the lottery for the draft comes up, I think that's next week. We're going to be doing just a preliminary big board for the 2023 draft class. So now a few little things off the top here before we get into the rankings. Now I am uh, a fantasy basketball guy. I'm an NBA guy. I'm not a full-time college scout or anything like that. So um, a lot of the research and rankings that I do through here comes through that lens and through the lens of how do these prospects and archetypes and players fit into a basketball system, fit into the uh, NBA system and the trends that we're seeing throughout the NBA and, and uh, projecting for future success. So um, in saying that, I have not watched copious amounts of college basketball or done heaps and heaps of study throughout the entire season of college basketball and overseas and all sorts of things, but um, have been putting in a lot of work uh, recently recently. 
watching film, looking at um, you know different um, stats and, and things about, about these players, and then also bringing my thoughts onto how they can translate into the NBA and where they should be going. So keep in mind, this is my first run through. We'll be doing a lot of these big boards, mock drafts, and things like that as we get closer to the NBA draft, but these are my initial rankings. Today, we're going to go through the top 14 players with the next uh, time we look at these guys. We'll go through the full first round. Um, so let's get into it without any more mucking around. Um, so we're going to go through in tiers as well. So I've broken these players up into different groups and where I see sort of tier breakings and a, a drop-off in talent. So um, the rankings, I think, uh, may be you know, more likely to change. Less likely, I think, that some of these players will cross over into different tiers, but always still possible with um, you know the more research and more film that I watch. So let's go into the first tier. It is the one player. It is unlikely. In fact, dare I say, it is not going to change between now and draft day. At number one, on a tier on his own, Victor Wembenyama. Now, I apologize with my most recent video. I know I've got a bad habit of saying Wembenyamba. I, I do know that it's Victor Wembenyamba. I don't know. It is just a, an Aussie thing, or maybe I've just, I don't know, my bees just get sneaking in there. But yes, Victor Wembenyama is the number one player, I think, in this draft. He's the top prospect we've seen in many years, and I am not going to come on here and say otherwise. Um, no controversial Victor Wembenyamas. Um, going to be a bust kind of take from me. Uh, I do see it. I see the special size, the the playmaking, the shot creation, the defensive side of the court, um, just the lateral quickness for a guy that size. I, I think it's absolutely special. It's, you know, he's the alien. He's, he's going to be the number one pick no matter who gets it. So I think that is pretty obvious. We'll probably go into sort of some Victor Wemanyamba stuff in other videos and how special can he be? Where do we project him from a fantasy point of view? We talked a bit, a little bit about it in the Top 25 Dynasty video. Spoiler alert, he's in that video. So he is pretty clearly head and shoulders the number one pick for me. In- for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this draft. So, won't spend too much time talking about the obvious, but here's number one. Number two, again, tier two, one player on his own. I have Scoot Henderson here at number two. I was close to bringing another player into this tier, but ultimately left them off into the next tier. But Scoot Henderson to me is a guy that, if it wasn't Victor Wemanyamba, he might be the number one pick in a lot of different drafts in the past few years. Just an ultra athletic. Um, composed, good defensive uh, guard in the um, in the G League. He's been playing the G League for the last two years, so he was in the G League uh, the year prior when I think he was 17 or 18 years old. 
Um, has a yeah, massive wingspan, six foot two guard, massive wingspan, huge hands, and an incredible athlete. He looks strong, NBA ready. Um, he's a great mid range shooter as well, and a really good playmaker and a great defender. He's the. I also really just love his sort of. I guess attitude a little bit. He's got that little bit of like a chip on his shoulder. Like when we go back to the start of the the um, the, the draft season or the college season, whatever you want to call it, and um, that that those games between Scoot Henderson and Victor Wembanyama, especially that first game where he sort of took it at uh, Victor and you know really played with a big chip on his shoulder. I really like that about him. He's confident in his abilities. Um, I the the slight concern is the fact that he is he is a smaller guard, six foot two, so he's not you know these modern big guards, but his wingspan, his you know the size of his hands, his uh, strength, I think will allow him to not get bullied because of his size. I think he's got the smarts to hang out there in NBA that prioritizes a lot of wing play at the moment. I think his skill level and strength and athleticism will allow him to do that. So I still think he is clearly the number two pick for me, and uh, I'm pretty sure if I was any team, I would be picking him as my uh, behind Victor, regardless of if I had a good guard already on my roster. I think he is that good. Um, throughout the uh, throughout the, the day today, I will be doing some player comps and comparisons and things like that. So again, these might change a little bit as we go along. And uh, sometimes I have a little bit of an issue with player comps in general, but uh, it's still sometimes fun to kind of think about players who they you know, remind you of. And, and he does remind me of your classic Derek Rose, uh, Russell Westbrook, just that ultimate athletic guard. He's he's um, big and strong, like a Russell Westbrook. Um, has that kind of frenetic pace and aggression, like a Russell Westbrook. He's probably um, maybe a better playmaker and decision maker, I think, at this stage, um, and and hopefully can develop into a better shooter from the perimeter than a Westbrook. I think he probably. Um, you know, Westbrook still had that really good mid-range jump shot, which he does have. Um, and he does need to improve his three-point shot. I think he definitely can. I don't think there's anything wrong with his um, you know, mechanics or anything like that. His decision-making can improve, but we often see those young guards coming through into the NBA. That is often something that can improve as well. So, um, And then the more strings he can add to his bow in terms of playing and being effective without the use of his athleticism, so... Change of speed, change of direction. Um, you know, getting those easier baskets rather than sort of being that you know ultimate athletic freak all of the time. I think will go a long way to improving his uh, ability. But I see him definitely as a starting level uh, point guard from the get go. He has all star upside. He has all NBA upside for sure, in my opinion. And uh, if it wasn't for Victor, he would be number one in a lot of drafts. So he is the number two player on my big board here and a pretty, I would say, a pretty clear consensus tier two on his own. So the first two tiers, we had one player. The next tier, we now have a few players in the one tier. So let's go into tier number three. And um, maybe my first divergence from, I guess, consensus opinion in this tier. At number three, I have uh, Amen Thompson, not him, but at number four, I have his brother, Asar Thompson, and at number five, I have Brendan Miller. I see a lot of, um, you know, in preparation for this, I do a lot of research in terms of other big boards and mock drafts and things like that out there, and a lot of the time, I see um, Amen Thompson up top in sort of the top three or four, and then a lot of times, I see Asar Thompson a little bit further down, sort of you know six, seven, eight, nine uh, in a lot of mock drafts and big boards. So um, 
I personally have them very close together. I do have Amen Thompson being the guy uh, ahead of him compared to uh, Asar. I think Amen is probably more likely to be that primary uh, playmaker, that primary guy who handles the ball, initiates the offense. He, they both have excellent size, both 20 years old, so a little bit older than some of these other guys. Um, Scoot and Victor are 19, so they're a year older than both of those guys. And there is, I guess, a flag for both of these boys in terms of what the overtime elite program means when it comes to scouting. It's it's still pretty unprecedented, um, and there's not a lot of data for us to go off the success rate of these guys coming over from a program like that. Um, but just from what I've seen on film, what I see in terms of um, how they play, their strengths, their weaknesses, I'm willing to go off... Um, and, and say that I, I believe in these guys, and both of them are obviously complete freaks when it comes to athleticism. Uh, insane fast twitch fibers, very bouncy, very fast uh, and uh, agile. They've got good reaction speeds to both of them. Both of them are great um, defensive pros- prospects. You know, an absolute insane steal rate. When we talk about fantasy, um, you know, uh, this is not a fantasy podcast, but we talk about fantasy and, and projecting. Uh, you know, impact on that side of things, steals are just out of the charts for both of these boys. So Amen gets the nod for me because I, I see a little bit more special flashes in terms of primary playmaking, pick and roll, ball handling and facilitating. Um, he probably is the guy that you probably want leading your offense, whereas Asar so far has been shown to be a bit more of like a connector piece. But in saying that, both still averaging a very good amount of assists. So on a per-game basis, uh, Amen averages 6.2 assists in overtime and uh, Asar averages 6.1. And, and both of them elite defensive numbers and also good rebounders. So with their six foot seven size, um, just look like prototypical switchy defensive athletic wings in the NBA. And even if Assad doesn't end up being like that big point guard, which maybe Amen could do, I still see a very, very valuable player in him here. Both of them, the concern here is the um, the, the shooting, the three-point shooting um, and shooting off the dribble as well. Look, it's definitely a concern. We want these guys to be able to shoot because if you can't shoot in the NBA, a lot of times defenses will sag off you and it's much easier to defend. But of all the skills... In modern NBA, I think that shooting is something that can be developed the most uh, successfully compared to the uh, the skills that these guys bring, the intangibles, the IQ that they bring that I just don't think you can teach. So I'm willing to make a bet that these guys become at least, you know, average level shooters. Potentially, you know, if, if they go to the right team with the right shooting coach, they can become good level shooters. We've seen cases in the past, like, and I'm referring to this guy a few times, like Alonzo Ball, you know, was a questionable shooter, had a ridiculous side cannon kind of form, but got to the NBA, got with the right um, shooting coach in New Orleans and uh, helped fix his shot. Now he's, well, before the knees uh, were a concern, was one of the best shooters in the NBA. And we're seeing that more and more these days. So, Depending on where these guys land, I think you can have a wide range of outcomes, but especially with Amen Thompson, who was the guy who I was close to putting in that tier with Scoot, if he can put it all together, just the fact that he is a six foot seven guard um, compared to like a Scoot six foot two, I, I almost can see a world where his upside 
is higher than a Scoot Henderson's just because of the fact that he is bigger, his uh, you know his wingspan, his athleticism is is still there, just like a Scoot Henderson. Um, yeah, I really like the defensive feel for both of these players. Um, so I think they both have incredible upside. The downside is probably lower and, and probably a fair bit lower than some of those other guys. So you've got a, a wider range of outcomes. I'm right now at time of recording, 9th of May, projecting them to be sort of in that top 50% of outcomes. Um, I, I do believe in their in their talent and what I've seen from film. But I am a big believer in both the Thompson twins and especially con- compared to a consensus, Asar Thompson, who I've seen a little bit further down a lot of boards, I still think that he should be a top five pick in the NBA um, and fingers crossed that he can work on the shooting and jump shot. The other guy here in this tier, Brandon Miller, I've seen as high as two in some big boards. Um, probably this is maybe as low as he drops on most big boards at number five. I still think he is in this tier with these guys. Um, he's a great shooter with good size, six foot nine. Um, he's got a decent, oh, I'll say a decent handle on him and a decent ability to uh, use his size to get his shot off. Um, he looks like a kind of player that doesn't get sped up a lot of the time. He sort of goes at his own, goes at his own pace, which I think is a really good thing. He's a solid but not incredible defender. He has some playmaking ability from what I've seen as well. Um, I just don't know if I, you know, we compare him to someone who I was keen on last year and actually very, probably uh, too keen on him last year with the Jabari Smith. There's similar kind of concerns for me with him and a Jabari Smith. They're actually the same age now as well. Um, He lacks that sort of explosive athleticism. I also think Jabari is probably a better defender, a more versatile defender than a Brandon Miller. Because of his size, I don't think he's ever going to be like a, a huge negative on that end. Um, and he is probably maybe a, a better ball handler and a better creator. But I just do have a little bit of concerns in terms of him being the primary offensive option on a team. I think he's probably better suited to being a second or third offensive option on a team. Um Great shooter, but what happens if the shot isn't going down is another one of my questions. Like, is he a guy that can uh, facilitate from the low post or, or, you know, run a pick and roll? Uh, I don't know if I see that. Is he a guy that's going to lock down uh, other offensive players on the defensive end? I think he's definitely going to be serviceable there, but when you're in the top five of the draft, like you're sort of splitting hairs like this. And I have a few question marks still on Brendan Miller when it comes to those things. Um, something about his shooting form as well. That's some, it's, I don't know. It doesn't quite do it for me. I don't know if it's like slightly slower than I would like, or it's a little bit of a side cannon kind of a stroke and questions on whether that translates across, but he was probably the most effective um, college player in last year's season. So I have him as the highest ranked college player in this big board. Um, but I don't know if I see the top two heights that some people do see um, compared to some of these other guys. So I have him sort of at the bottom of this tier as of right now, but still definitely pretty firmly in the top five rankings for the 2023 big board. So those are, those are my top five there. Uh, we'll move on to the next tier, which does have a few more players in here. We've got four players in tier number four. This is where things start to open up a little bit, and I can see probably a few more movements going on as I get more and more uh, definitive with my rankings as we go along. So at number six on the total rankings, I've got Cam Whitmore. He's a 19-year-old, six foot seven wing. He's got a 
6'9", a wingspan. The biggest thing about him is that he's, again, this, uh, you'll hear this a lot in this draft. There's a lot of big-time uh, elite athletes, but Cam Whitmore is probably still at the pointy end of those guys. He's a great driver, great finisher. Um, uh, from what I've researched, he's improved his jump shot um, compared to the start of the season at the end. Um, his jump shot looks pretty solid. Um, he's got good arc, a good high release point, which is nice. Um, he's he's a good like uh, catch and like catch and shoot guy, but he's also pretty good off the dribble. Um, you know, f- from everything we've seen in terms of his uh, step back, seems to to be a good uh, weapon in his arsenal. So when his go to thing is to be this driving, slashing, finishing, athletic guy, the fact that he also does have that off the bounce um, ability to shoot from the perimeter is really effective for him. The one thing I don't love about him is that um, from the things I've seen, the, the film that I've watched, he seems to be a slower decision maker, not necessarily like a black hole in terms of the type of guys where the offense kind of stops, but it, it is that, uh, again, and I'll, I might touch on this in a second, but I don't love those players where the, the, the movement of the of the offense kind of stops when it gets to his hands. He kind of takes a few seconds to kind of assess and size up the defense before making his move. And I think in the NBA... Um, that's fine if you're going to be the number one guy and the offense revolves around you. I don't know if there is that upside for Cam. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to lock it in just yet. And I feel like for him to be the the big the best result of himself, he needs to be like that number one offense on a on a really good NBA team. I don't know if he has that just yet. There's potential there, and that's the reason he's at the top of this tier because he probably does have the highest upside of a lot of these guys. But my confidence in him getting there compared to some of those other guys in the tier previously is maybe just not quite there as well. I'll just touch on as well, before we go through these other guys again, um, and maybe I'll talk about this in, in future videos and episodes as well. When it comes to evaluating prospects and um, you know the, for the draft and, and things like that, when we talk about real NBA, I, I do think it is also important to talk about you know biases and, and things that you like as just a, an evaluator. So everyone has their own biases and things that you prefer in players. And uh, for me, it's very clearly I like players that are of, of a good size, wing kind of size. I really love players that can play defense. Um, I'm quite critical of players who um, are really good offensively but don't you know give much else on the other side of the floor as well as, or, or if they're a good playmaker, or, or if, if they're just a, a volume scorer, I'm usually quite critical of those players because most of the time when we're drafting a player into an NBA team, they're going from being the best player on their college team or the best player from their international team or whatever it is to an NBA team where they might be the third or fourth option uh, or sometimes lower than that. And if they don't provide anything outside of scoring, then the value to that team is less than what we've seen previously when they've sort of just out-talented everyone else on the court. So especially when we move further away from the top of the draft, I do value defense. I do value playmaking, decision-making, and IQ above a lot of those more, you know, players who are just a bucket, you know, and they can they can score really well, shoot really well, and, and sort of, um, uh, you know, those guys that are, you know, 1v1 kind of players that excel at college because of the lower level of competition – I sort of try and um, you know take that with a grain of salt when projecting them to the NBA because if you're in a team and you get drafted and you get drafted to a team with Jason Tatum on on the on the court, well, chances are the offense is going to go through Jason Tatum. I'm not going to go through this this rookie coming in through here. And I use Jason Tatum as a loose example, but I hope that makes sense in terms of um, 
I am aware that I have a bias for those kind of players, and it has burned me in the past, but um, just wanted to sort of mention that from the top. Next couple of guys, I'll group these two together, Jarris Walker and Taylor Hendricks, both of a similar archetype build of a player. Uh, Jarris Walker is uh, slightly older, uh, six foot eight with a seven foot two wingspan, and uh, Taylor Hendrick, six foot nine, seven foot three wingspan. Both of these boys, um, really good defensive uh, players, um, can switch on the perimeter a little bit to guard some wings, can play both of them, I believe, undersized centers, good shot blockers, rotational defenders. Uh, they can get in parcel lanes and deflect and get steals that way. Um, Jarvis Walker, I've got slightly ahead at this point just because I think that um, I, I like a bit of his playmaking upside. I think he probably has a more defined position as a small ball center. I think his size and strength helps him a little bit more there. Um, I, I like his defensive instincts a little bit more than a, a, a Hendricks, but um, these two are quite close to me, so hence they're ranked back-to-back. Um, the comp that I've got for him is sort of like a Paul Millsap or Al Horford sort of type. So again, that undersized center that is versatile and can do a bit of playmaking, do a bit of shooting from the perimeter. Uh, you know, not necessarily a guy that you're going to... I view him more as like a big man than a wing. Whereas someone like a Taylor Hendricks maybe has a little bit more of that wing or a bigger size wing capability. Um, so he's probably a better perimeter shooter at this point. Maybe has a higher offensive upside than a Jarris Walker, but I'm less confident in his um, defensive impact than a Walker. In saying that, though, I think he will be a really good defender, and I do like both of these players. I think, whilst maybe not the highest upside, like a Cam Whitmore, both Walker and Hendricks, I think, have a very high floor and should contribute winning basketball to a lot of teams. So um, maybe not the home run picks at this point in the draft, but I think both can be at least decent level starters in the NBA. Um, so I do like both of them. My comp for Taylor Hendricks is more of like a Jaden McDaniels or a Robert Covington type. Maybe Covington, he could, I think he'd be better than a Robert Covington, but that kind of player that, you know, can, you know, shoot the ball, defend on the perimeter and, you know, uh, play a small ball center sort of type. Um, He's got a really nice quick release. Um, he's a good three-point shooter. I don't know if he's going to be creating off the dribble all that much as, a, as an offensive option, but I think he can work within a system quite nicely. And uh, I'm not too concerned as long as the team drafting him doesn't try and you know push him to do that. I think that what he does, he can do really well. But I don't know if I, again, see that super high superstar slash all-star ceiling. Um, and then the last guy in this tier is Anthony Black, a 19-year-old six foot seven guard. He has a seven-foot wingspan. He's one of the better passers in the draft. Um, again, as a, as a little self-bias here, I do really like those bigger guards. I think uh, a lot of the time, if you at least have that size, you're not going to get bullied on the defensive end uh, of the floor. You can guard up in situations we know that the NBA is transitioning and has transitioned already into a very switch-heavy game. You want to be able to guard multiple positions and also play with other players You know that potentially are other ball handlers and things like that. So it's, it's very nice to have a player like that can play one, two, three at times. Um, he, he's a really good defender, really good finisher at the rim as well. Um, so someone who can you know, cut and drive to the rim and, and finish pretty nicely. Um, there's a lot of comp comparisons to like a Josh Giddy because of the the big guard kind of archetype that he is. I don't know if I see that level of 
vision and basketball IQ. I think I'd probably have you know Giddy ahead of him, and 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 it's insane that Josh Giddy is still as as young as he is. I think that they're actually quite close in age. Um, so I don't know if I see that high level of upside. I would compare him more to like a Dyson Daniels from last year's draft, a guy who is at least a secondary playmaker, secondary facilitator, has the potential to be the primary point guard kind of a guy. His, I, I would say his biggest strength is more his his defense and sort of uh, IQ with good playmaking ability. Um, the thing with him as well is, is the jump shot. So he needs to improve the jump shot, probably needs to speed up the release a little bit more. He... Um, didn't have a, a great deal of volume in, in college as well. And he also lacks a bit of sort of uh, self-creation ability. So to, to sort of create separation from his defender, break them down off the dribble, I think he lacked a little bit of that, um, which is where the Dyson Daniels thing comes in because he, he, he sort of lacked a little bit of that as well. But again, I like those kind of players. I think that that's, that's fine. If, if that's not going to be your role, you can be that sort of second tertiary guy. Um, I just don't know if, like, Giddy, I, I see more as that primary guy, um, whereas those guys, I think, is more more their role, which can definitely have uh, a big big use in the NBA. So he rounds out tier at number four for me at number nine, and I think regardless of what happens and how I view things from here, I think those top nine guys are all pretty safe lottery picks, in my opinion. Um the, the last few guys that we're going to go through here could potentially, I can see, move out of the lottery the more I, I research and the more film that I watch moving forward. But I think these top nine that I've got here, um, at least the way I'm viewing it right now, should all be drafted in the lottery, uh, at least the way I am seeing it. Moving on to the final tier for today's podcast slash video. Tier number five, we've got the last five players in the lottery here. At number 10, I've got, we'll go through them all at once. At 10, I've got um, Kaysen Wallace. At 11, we've got Grady Dick. At number 12, we've got Kobe Bufkin. 13, we've got Keontae George. And at 14, we've got Bryce Sensible. Um, so Kaysen Wallace, again, top of this tier, really, really good defender. He's the kind of guy that I view the same way that um, the NBA scouts were viewing Davion Mitchell a few years ago when he was drafted inside the lottery. Uh, I can see I can see Casey Wallace being what Davion Mitchell uh, was supposed to be. Uh, the reason I like him a little bit better, he's younger at the time of when he's drafted, so still younger than 20 years old. He's taller and bigger, six foot four with a six foot six wingspan. Um, he's he's got that defensive you know, beast in him. He's, he's probably the best perimeter defender in the draft. He's excellent both on ball and off ball. He gets steals. He gets blocks. Reads the play really, really well. Um, so as far as, uh, you know, that point of attack defensive guy, he is probably the best in this uh, draft class. Um, and I do, you know, the concerns I had with Davion Mitchell in his draft class, and I had him a bit lower than consensus at that time, was because of the size and because of the fact that he was an older guy coming into the draft and, you know, why hadn't we seen him, you know, with the three-point shooting and the, the free throws and stuff like that in previous years, whereas Kaysen Wallace has a little bit more time on his hands, and he also has the Kentucky factor as well. So played for Kentucky. We know Kentucky guards, you know, often come into the NBA, and there's numerous examples of them showing more, especially on the offensive side of the court, than what they did in college. Now, I don't know how much I see that with Kaysen Wallace, but... I think at some point you have to put that in there. So um, he could come out and surprise us on the offensive side of the floor, but that is where he probably struggles. Um, You know, he's probably not necessarily... I mean, there's question marks on whether he can be the primary 
point guard, facilitator, play initiator, or whether he's more of that secondary guy. Um, you know, he probably lacks the self-creation ability. He's probably not the guy that's going to break you down and, you know, hit shots off the dribble or anything like that, which is, again, which is fine as long as you know what you're getting into, um, which maybe caps his upside a little bit here. But again, as a player comp, I see a lot of Marcus Smart in him, um, a lot of Davion Mitchell, as I said before, but maybe just a bigger, younger version than when he was drafted. So I think at number 10 here, I think that's a pretty good spot to be drafting a player like that. Don't know if I see all-star upside, but definitely could be a, a long-time starter in the NBA. And uh, like I said, I, I am a sucker for good defensive players. At number 11, I've got Grady Dick here. He, uh, besides having just an amazing name, um, is probably one of the better shooters in this draft. Um, again, he might get pigeonholed into that classic white guy shooter role, um, which, you know, he is a white guy and he, he can shoot well, but he does a lot of other things really well. He's excellent off the ball, really good at relocating off screens and also shooting off the move as well, which is something that's very important in today's NBA. He also uses the threat of his shot extremely well. So, um, you know, because people are aware that he can shoot really well, they guard up on him and he, he gets a lot of those back cuts, finishes quite nicely at the rim, um, for someone of his size and athleticism. Uh, he competes really well. He's really smart on the offensive side of the boards as well. So just a really high IQ basketball player and um, not someone, again, that has a whole lot of upside, but I'm pretty confident that he's at least going to be a contributor to winning basketball. Um, he does lack a bit of that explosive athleticism and strength, so which kind of caps his upside a little bit, like I said. I don't know if he's the the best ball handler in terms of breaking down off the dribble. So his value definitely comes from like an off-ball, um, you know, working within the flow of an offense kind of a guy. He's solid on defense without being amazing. Um, I think because of, you know, being that classic skinny white guy that teams might look to, to pick on him a little bit. And um, whilst I think he has the capability to hold his own, I don't know if he's going to be a huge plus defender. He's definitely better than like your Duncan Robinson types where you just bully them on the offensive sorry, when they're defending every time you go down the court. Um, I think he's not going to be in danger of that, but he still might be someone that offenses choose to pick on and and you know that damages his ability to, to stay on the court a little bit more. So... A little bit um, unsure of where I sit with Grady Dick at the moment, but right now I think he's definitely someone that should be going in around those teens kind of an area. So I've got him at 11 at the moment. Kobe Bufkin, like I said, at number 12, he just looks like a really solid all-around player to me. Um, six foot four combo guard. He just looks solid across the board. Lefty shooter. Um, just looks like someone who doesn't really have any major holes or weaknesses in his game. Um, he's a sophomore, but is the same age as a lot of these freshman guys as well. So same age as a Grady Dick and, um, a lot of those other guys we mentioned before, 19.6 years old. Um, you know, really solid defender as well. I think that he's just a guy that plays basketball, plays basketball well, um, and can play as a point guard, can probably play as a shooting guard as well. Um, really creative in the way he finishes, like really good crafty layups and, and finishes around the rim. Good, uh, solid shooter off the dribble, catch and shoot kind of a guy as well. Um, probably lacks that like elite athleticism and um, I don't think he's, he's definitely not like the Casey Wallace level defender or, you know, super long or, 
you know, a huge plus defender, but I think he's going to be at least an average defender in the NBA, which which is good. Um, and at six foot four, he's at least got solid size there. He's not going to get picked on as like a six foot or six foot one defender at the point guard position. So that's all very good. I just think that, yeah, he's just a really solid guy that I think um, can, can definitely contribute to winning basketball. So I've got him at number 12. At number 13, I have Keontae George. Again, kind of similar sort of player types, six foot four, same size, um, combo guard. He looks maybe like a more creative and, and more of a, a three-level scorer than someone like a Bufkin, maybe a higher ceiling on the offensive side of things. However, probably a worse defensive player than a Bufkin. So again, with my uh, tastes and preferences, I've got him a little bit below, but, uh, and, and also the efficiency concerns as well. I believe he had some injuries down the end of the stretch of the season as well, which uh, might affect his numbers. So I'll do a bit more research into that and how that may affect his stock in my eyes. But um, yeah, it just looks like a guy that, you know, maybe is a bit more of that microwave scorer off the bench potentially or, or a solid um, guy in a starting lineup that can take some heat off some of your stars. But I have probably have a few more questions in terms of how he fits in an offense that doesn't sort of uh, go and revolve around him than maybe like a Bufkin. I see Bufkin fitting into that a little bit easier. And then the last guy here for my mock uh, lottery, or I guess the the big board top 14, is Bryce Sansbaugh. Just a, an offensive beast. Um Unit of a player just attacks the rim relentlessly. Six foot six, um, big big dude. Um, managed to play with a very high usage in college as well, which is a good thing when it comes to translating into the NBA. Um, just a lot of questions on defense is the biggest thing for me. Um, a lot of inconsistencies with effort and you know losing track of players and things like that are red flags for me for the most part. So he probably has the highest offensive upside of anyone in this tier. But again, when you're a player like outside of those top tier players, how much is that actually going to be your role in the NBA? Um, so that maybe pushes him a little bit down compared to what his offensive numbers are. But uh, he probably has the the highest ability to carry offenses for a stretch out of any of these players, but the defense is definitely a concern for me uh, for a player like Bryce. And uh, when he gets to the NBA going up against those bigger bodies, if he can use that strength and physicality that he did in college as effectively in an NBA setting, I do have a little bit of questions when it comes to that um, translating across. So he sits for me right now at the edge of the uh, of the lottery at number 14. So that will do it for us today, guys. Let me know what your thoughts are. And um, if you have any thoughts about your big board, we will be dropping uh, the 15 through 30 rankings before the lottery is announced, I think, next week. And uh, we'll go through all of those players. And then when the lottery drops, we'll start doing our mock drafts and continue on with our Dynasty ranking series talking about all those players. And when the draft happens, we're going to be talking about rookie rankings in terms of fantasy, how it translates across and all of that good stuff. So uh, make sure again, guys, at on Twitter, at BallBoysFantasy and uh, head over to there. Give us a follow. Give this video a big thumbs up. Make sure you guys are subscribed on YouTube and we will catch you guys next time. Laters.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.